Awesome. We did uh, a series last year called on, on basically spiritual practices, which was called uh, Gracious Rebellion. <laughs> and uh, those uh, sermons are up on the website. You can go and refresh yourself on them on things like the Word of God, prayer, fasting, Sabbathing, all habits or practices that um, are means of grace to us, which, where, by which God's life and grace and goodness comes into our lives and changes and shapes us. This uh, summer camp, we're going to be doing a very similar thing, and I'm going to get you to do a little bit of the work today. There's going to be three exercises, so you might have to talk to someone when you, you don't know if you thought you were going to talk to someone when you came to church today, but uh, you probably will <laughs> have to talk to someone. We're going to do three exercises this morning, and we're going to continue with spirit, what we're calling spiritual practices, and today's one is on worship, which is the one we're talking about today, and thanks team for leading us so wonderfully in worship. What we're going to do is start off by asking a question, what is worship? Or how can you tell if you are worshipping? Any, anyone out there? How can, how can you tell if you are worshipping? Giving God the glory. Giving God the glory? Yep. Not focusing on yourself. Not focusing on yourself. Great. Good answers. We'll, we'll, we'll dig around a little and we'll chat. Great answers. We're going to do it in three sections. The first one is all of life is worship, part one. All of life is worship. 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter writes like this. He says, in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. In everything. Peter assumes that in everything it's possible to bring glory to God. Um, through him, Hebrews 11 says, through him let us continually Offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips which acknowledge His name. So the writer of Hebrews then assumes that we can continually offer up praise to God. Of course, uh, Jesus Himself and Mark said that we are to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of my mind, all of your strength. I don't know if you've, anyone achieved that. <laughs> Loved God with all their hearts every day of their life all this mind, every moment of their life, all their strength. <laughs> Anyone done that? No hands going up. I'm glad to see. <laughs> is it really possible to worship all the time? Is it even possible? Is this not just some pipe dream? Is it plausible that we could worship all the time? Anyone want to venture an answer? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is possible. Well, I want to tell you a little secret. You're actually already doing it. You are already continuously worshipping. It's not a case of whether you're going to decide to start worshipping or should you decide to worship something. You are de your default setting is to be continually worshipping. Your heart is continually loving things, communicating, adoring things, your mind is continually pondering things, thinking upon things. You are a worshipping creature. That's how we were made. You are already continuously worshipping. Why is it so? Well, it's because the Bible says we're made in the image of God. God uh, is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they exist continually communicating, loving, honoring each other in a continuous fellowship and love and joy and expression and giving glory to each other. They are continuously in that state. 
The Father brings glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. They continually honor, worship, and love each other. They are completely sufficient and enjoying each other's presence. They don't need us. Shocking news. But that's how God is. He continually adores and, and is continually communicating, expressing His love, and continually pouring out, continually pouring out. And when God made us in His image, we are continually pouring out to something. You are continually giving yourself to something. And so, can we worship continually? We already are. Well done, you made it. <laughs> you got to the place of continual worship. Of course, the, doc the fall, the entering of sin into the world, means that we are no longer always worshiping God. Right? It means we are pouring ourselves out to other things. Everything we do reveals what we value and what we worship. Everything we do reveals what we value and what we worship. Worship is simply our response to what we value most. Worship is a lifestyle. In fact, all of life is worship. And so how can you tell what you're worshiping? How do you assess? How do you figure it out? Well, you can tell because it's always coming out. It's always being expressed. It's always coming out of you. What do I mean by this? Well, where do your thoughts go to? Where does your heart wander to, especially when you're not involved in a task? What do you think about? What do you dream about? What occupies your mind? Are you continually thinking about what other people think of you? Continually because what will they think? What are going? Is a constant drawing of your mind and your heart towards that. Well, that just means you are, in a sense, worshipping status and approval. You need other people to think well of you. Does your mind continually wonder there? Is that a constant thought you have through the day? Perhaps it's money. You're constantly thinking about money. What, will I have enough? How do I get more? Is that somewhere where your heart and your mind continually drift to? Perhaps it's food. <laughs> yeah, amen. Oh. You've just come out of Christmas. You may have struggled with that one. <laughs> you need the comfort of food. Perhaps it's envy of others. Constantly wondering, oh, I wish I had what they have. It might even be past hurts. You're constantly mulling over and rehashing past hurts. Which really just means you're looking for validation and approval in people. Do you see what I mean? You're constantly worshipping. We have an inner built motivation system which wants to... Uh, find value somewhere. That's just the default setting of the human heart. Perhaps you find your mind wandering to criticizing others all the time. That's just pride. Perhaps it's even victimhood or a lack of, a, a language of lack. I don't have this, I don't have that. Again, just needing prove, approval and, and validation. These are kind of questions you can ask yourself. What am I constantly worshipping? What am I, is my heart drawn into? What frustrates you? What upsets you? Those are the good ones. <laughs> Being in, ever been interrupted? <laughs> Do you get super annoyed? With those of you who have young children, you'll find that constantly. Constantly interrupted by the, need, by the needs of others. Not having control. Perhaps you uh, constantly think about what, I need the clarity, I need the answers, I need, the, I need it defined perfectly. What it means is you are worshipping control in some sense when you have to have that, when your, your mind just lives on that. 
And these are all the different ways in which we can constantly worship. We can even have them in religious form. Truth can even become an idol. Morality can even become an idol. Gifts can become an idol. It's just pride, really, in a new form. And so perhaps you've made a practice of worshipping something. And here's how it works. It starts off with a, something in your heart, some thoughts in your heart, which you think, ah, oh, I need that, or I want that. And slowly that kind of desire inside of you to worship something, which is there, that desire then grows into words, and you begin to express, I want this, I need this, I have to have this. Oh, not yet, not yet. This is the exercise you're going to do. <laughs> so perhaps it grows from a desire into words. You start to express it. Oh, I must have it. Oh, I need the money. I need this. And so you begin to talk about it a lot. The kind of fruit of your lips begins to sound like that same thing. If it's the past hurts, you kind of repeat them again and again and again. And that begins to grow, and it slowly begins to turn into actions, into a lifestyle, to things you do, and to things you pursue, and to what you must go after, and what you have to have. And so it begins to affect your behavior and your actions. And of course, that, again, in turn, reshapes your whole heart, and that desire grows within you until it becomes something that is centralized in your, in your space, in your, in your heart. And so you can see how your worship and your adoration become something that is not God. And we become like what we worship. Everyone in our culture is worshipping something, and you become like that thing. I don't know if you've noticed that. You slowly become like it. The heart and life are shaped around what we desire and what we worship, which in one sense is also amazing news for the idea of we can worship God. We can be transformed by adoring God, by seeing God, and we are transformed, and we actually become whole at peace, restored, content, we become full of love and kindness and grace when we worship God, not other things. All other things lead, lead us down this path of where we slowly are disappointed by them. And so the first point is, every, all of life is worship. It's already happening. You're already doing it. The second one we're going to look at is worshiping God. But before we go there, I just want to, we're going to finish off and do a quick exercise on maybe what it, it is that I'm worshiping or what, it, what do I worship most often. John chapter 4 says that Jesus puts it this way. He says, But the hour is coming and is now here that when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. The Father is seeking worshippers, those who worship and adore Him. Worshipping God is not of the flesh, as He says, of the Spirit. It's not the things that we desire. It's putting God as our primary desire, our biggest desire. And it's in truth. And what does that mean? It just means that you can't fake it. You can't fake it. It's easy to say one thing, but to actually get under the hood and see what's there, it must be real. You can't uh, fake God in first place. You can pretend for a while, but you can't Fake God in first place. And so the point of the first exercise, I mean, we can just put it up, Brian, now, is just to ask yourself a few sort of questions and go, what are the things that are on my lips? What are the things that I speak about mostly? What do I constantly exalt with my words? What is the things I spend my time and my energy 
And what in my heart am I willing to give over? Like, what is, do I desire? I'll give up time with family to go and do X, Y, or Z. I'll give up time with God. I'll give up this because I must have it. What, do I, what will my heart give up anything for? So I want us to just take a few moments now to do this exercise quick. We're going to take five minutes. Don't stress if you don't get through. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot of stuff. It is. All right. Maybe we take the rest of the morning. Why don't we just get into groups of about four or five? Don't stress. I know, I agree, and it's very a lot of things. So we're not going to test you at the end of this and make sure you've got all the answers. It's just, uh, just to help you begin to think, where, what do I speak about all the time? Is this become something in my life that's moved from a little desire to now it's like my whole conversation, now it's everything I do, now it's the central part of my life. That's what we're trying to just, you know, have a scratch around a little bit with. So take a few moments to scratch around. These questions will help you. Um, in five minutes, I'll just call us back. If you haven't got through it, don't worry. We'll, you, we'll get these notes, and you can go spend three days with them and work it out and, and come back and tell us what you discovered. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Anna's very, Anna must have a lot of things in her heart. Yeah. If you want to, there's a hard copy here. I'm going to leave that just over here. So take five minutes. Uh, get into small groups and have a chat about all of life is worship. What am I worshiping? <laughs> what, do, what do you think might be the central worship of your life? Hope you've been okay. Please feel free not to go all the way down to the bare bones of your soul if you're not comfortable with that. You're welcome to, of course. Um, People here uh, would lo love you and would love to pray with you and encourage you, but you just go as far as you're comfortable with. And um, the idea of this exercise is to get you thinking about all of life is worship, so you're already worshiping. You're already pouring yourself out into something. And that's not a, that's not a choice you're going to choose to start doing. It's something that's already happening. Of course... We do get to choose how we pour ourselves out, right? But pouring ourselves out is just something the human heart already does. And so hopefully that little exercise, you're welcome to take this home and do a deeper dive on it, but your heart is already pouring itself out. And so all of life is worship, point number one. Point number two is worshiping God. So that's the, that's, the, that's the difficult, shocking part, is that all of life, I'm already a, a giant worshiper. <laughs> the next one is, what we're going to look at is worshiping God. Why would we worship God? Well, we worship God because of who He is. Not because of a good feeling we have or a, 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 we think it's, it might be a nice idea. We worship God because of who He is. If God did nothing for us, He would still be worthy of our worship because He is the Lord of all things. He is perfect in steadfast love, in goodness, in mercy. He is the only God. He is almighty and eternal. He is exclusively worthy. He is the sum and the source of all goodness, perfection, glory, holiness, grace, compassion, wisdom, and power. He is completely worthy. We worship God as He is, not as we want Him to be. Sometimes we try to decide what God would be like. If you 
tried to make God what you like, he's no longer God. If God ever fitted into your brain, it would be a huge disappointment because yeah. he would no longer be God. Imagine God who did everything you thought. The very fact that there's mystery means he must be God. If there was no mystery, it would no longer be God. It would be something that you made up. God must be worshipped as he is. He is perfect. How, is that mysterious and difficult to fully comprehend? Of course, it ought to be. If it wasn't, I'm out. <laughs> it's like I don't want to worship something I've made up. So the fact that you can't understand all of God is the very indicator that he is God. We worship him as he, wa as he is, not as we want him to be, which means our understanding sometimes or has to be insufficient. Revelation 4 verse 6 says, Around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures. This is a picture of, the, of worship in heaven. Were four living creatures, full of eyes. They were continually beholding him. These creatures have been given eyes all over them. I don't know what they look like. Quite, quite scary. I'm sure you've seen some weird movies. But these, these are those kind of creatures. They've got eyes everywhere. So they can behold Jesus. They can behold God. They have eyes in front and on behind. And these fir the first living creature was like a lion. The second like an ox. The third living creature was like the face of a son of man. And the fourth living creature was like an eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around them within, were day and night. They never ceased to say, worship is continual. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down and worship before him who is seated on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before him, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created. He is completely worthy. They are behold, the, the creatures are beholding him. They behold him. And then the response is they fall down and they worship and they declare he is good. He is above all things. He created all things. And they cast their crowns. They give up their crown, which is their glory, the things that they love, and they cast them down. They say he is worthy. That is why we worship God, because he is completely worthy. He's the only one worthy to receive worship. Everything else we worship is not worthy. And slowly leads to disappointment. He becomes more beautiful than all of the other things. Jesus above all. That's what we speak about. You might have heard that if you've come to King's Cross more than once. Jesus above all. He becomes more beautiful. Worship starts when we see God. It is a response to beholding the majesty, the beauty, and the glory of Christ. Have you beheld him? Have you seen him? His awesome majesty and beauty. And what happens when you see him as he is, is your heart's desires begin to change. You begin to desire God more. When you see something as beautiful, as perfect, the perfect God, your desire changes. So as an example, you may have eaten ice cream before and you desired it and you wanted it again, so you went and bought some more. But then you discovered fudge-infested ice cream, and your desire increased, and you went and got that even more. And you replaced vanilla ice cream with fudge-infested ice cream. Then you discovered, what's the one that stops, goes hard when you pour it on the top? I, ooh, some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> then you discovered fudge ice cream with 
ice magic. And your desires grew even greater. You no longer wanted vanilla ice cream. That's what, who wants that now? I don't want that. I'm out. Give me the proper full range. This is how desire works. It grows. When you behold something more beautiful, you desire that. And God is the most beautiful and perfect thing in all the universe. Our worship, you don't worship by you know, listening to a sermon on Sunday saying, worship more. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't help. You have to behold Jesus. You have to taste the fudge ice cream with chocolate sauce on top. And are you beholding God is, our, is my question. That's how, you, that's how we worship God, is we behold him more and more. And again, you can't fake that. So we can't, I, you can't just fake it. I can't give it to you here. Like, here you go, take it. I can't, I, I can't help you there. You have to behold in order to get there. So worship doesn't happen by listening to, by information, by listening to a message. It happens by actually seeing God, by beholding Him. It's the only way to change your longings, is to behold Christ. But there are practices that you can engage with which help you to behold Christ. That is something we can do. There are things we can engage with. One of them is worship, and we, that's what we're talking about this morning, the act of worship. Last year in our series, Gracious Rebellion, we spoke about the Word, prayer, Sabbathing, resting, all those things that you can practice which help you behold Christ. And so spiritual practices are just vehicles which help us change our longings by beholding Christ. Importantly, if your spiritual practices are not, you're not beholding Christ in them, then you ain't doing them right, <laughs> doing it wrong. What I mean is there's more in spiritual practices than just gathering information or doing them. If you're doing them but you're not seeing Jesus, then there's a more fruitful way to do them. There's a more, there's a better way to do them. It's still ahead of you. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. If you haven't found rest, there's still more coming to Jesus that you can do, more beholding of Jesus. There's more to behold. And so do your spiritual practices help you to behold? So just, if I could say it this way, calm down on your spiritual practices if they're not beholding, helping you behold God. It's downstream from information. It's downstream of your theology. So the Word of God, let's give a couple of examples. The Word of God, is it, who thinks it's good to read their Bible? Great. That's great information. Who's read their Bible? Great, great practice. It's excellent. When you're doing it, are you finding Christ beautiful? Are you, is it leading you to God? Well, that's a harder question. And so I want to encourage you, when you're doing those things, to ask yourself this question. Am I beholding? Is this leading me to Jesus? How do I do it? Pray. Ask God to help. I know for me, with reading the scriptures, it, it came downstream of my information and practice. Information and practice are good. Eventually, it became desirous. It's like, man, I'm, I'm just loving being, I, I come alive when I'm reading the scriptures. It's like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, it's Bible time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that, you can't fake that. That's what we're saying. You can't, unless you behold Jesus. The other practices like community and church, you can't fake, you can come. But I long to be together with God's people. Like Anna will tell you, when we're planning things, that I'm like fighting to be at church. I'm like, like if I'm away, I personally struggle internally because I, I want to be there. Now, you can't fake that. It's a spiritual practice that grows. You can be told to come to church. Boring. 
if something in your heart has beheld and, and you understand the spiritual, like it's drawing you to Christ, it's just, it's very different to everyone go and do more spiritual practices. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about beholding Jesus. And we're talking about beholding him in worship, the practice of worshiping. And so there's a, do those examples help you say what we're saying? It's downstream of information. It's, beho- it's actual beauty. It's actually worshiping God. I want to encourage you to help pract- do your practices in such a way that they help you behold God, come to him. And so because we worshiped our way into sin, we ultimately need to worship our way out of sin. Our hearts worship things, our hearts chase things, and we worship our way and we build it up until it becomes a sin in our life that we're kind of shaping our whole lives around. And the way out of that is to worship our way out, to behold Jesus, that he becomes more beautiful. We worship our way into sin, and you don't just grit your teeth to get out of sin, you worship your way out. You behold Jesus. Worship changes us. When we behold him, we are transformed and we become like him. It's not just singing. Worshiping. You can be a worship leader. I'm a worship leader. I lead singing sometimes on a Sunday. But you can be a singer and not find Jesus glorious. (laughs) And there's there's a big difference. So we worship our way out. I hope that's encouraging. We're going to do another little exercise, break up. Maybe if you can put it up for us, Brian, that'd be great. And this one's about worshiping God. There are some aspects of God which you might find easy, but remember we want to worship God as He is. You might find God's love. Oh, I can always ponder that and look at that and adore that. Um, What aspects of God do you worship? And so these are some questions just to get you thinking about your spiritual practices and about adoring, adoring God. So I wonder if we could do that again break up for just five minutes or so in twos or threes and share maybe or sort of scratch around in your own heart about how you might be able to move from what we started with, which is worship that's centered around your heart to worship that is centered around God and who he is. And do Take five minutes and go for it. Thanks, God. Thanks. And he's giving me the thumbs up. That's great. Well, thanks for participating. Thanks for uh, participating this morning. I know uh, our format's a little different for Summer Camp, but we appreciate it. I think it's, uh, it is great and healthy to be able to chat these things through and kind of learn by uh, talking, talking. It's sometimes more helpful than just listening to someone. Uh, the, fi- the final points this morning, uh, the first one was that all of life is worship. You're worshiping already. The second one is that God alone is worthy of worship. He's the only object that is actually worth worshiping and that we want to be transformed to become like. We don't want to become like some of the things we worship. I'm sure you've discovered that. But the final point then is just a, we're going to do a quick close session on Sunday gathering and worship. Why do we then, if all of life is worship and God is worthy to be worshipped all the time, why do we have a Sunday? What is, why is there Sunday worship? Isn't, isn't worship every day? Uh, why, do we, why do we do that? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> all people are worshipping. God alone is worthy of our worship. But as Christians, what we sometimes call singing songs together or worship, it means that we gather 
together to gratefully sing and give thanks to God who has done it, for what God has done in Jesus and all that God has done for us. We're praising, we are praising Him uh, like this in one form, is one form of worship. Obviously, we're not saying that's all of worship. It's one form of worship. And when we come together, it is a humble act of submitting ourselves back to under God's authority, leaving the demands of life, gathering as His people in faith to lift up His name above all other names and all other objects that we have sought out to worship during the week. Worship through singing together is a radical Countercultural act of loyalty and faith in the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and reminds us as we come back to our focus and our attention upon Him. This is why, of course, our songs and our singing must describe God and exalt God. We don't want to sing songs about ourselves. We want to sing songs that ex- describe and exalt God. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2 9. He says, But you then, the chosen people of God, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, you are God's people, his special possession, he says, you've been called that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. The people of God ought to declare the praises of God together. Colossians 3 16 says, Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with singing psalms and hymns, Paul says. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. He says, do everything. So he's including singing, but then he says, and of course, the rest of the week, everything you do. (laughs) So singing is part of what God's called us to as the people of God. Corporate worship is then must be God-centered, Orderly, the Bible says it should be orderly, it should be missional and unselfish. Our worship gatherings should be unselfish, it should be focused on God and others. Um, It includes worship, of course it includes preaching, the sacraments, which is communion, where we remember what Jesus did. Uh, It includes prayer and serving others and giving. So those are all ways in which we worship on a Sunday and what God has called us to as part of worship in a more specific and gathered sense. Corporate worship then is how we is when we have an opportunity to see God more clearly together and he is made known and exalted in our midst. And so that's why we do it because God calls us to it and it reminds us who God is. Some of the vocabulary for that, I don't know what tradition you come from. Uh, you may have come from a very Pentecostal background or a very traditional background. Uh, I'll give you some of the vocabulary of the scriptures for worship. Obviously, like we said, there's preaching, there's sharing together, there's attending to the needs of others, there's encouraging each other, building each other up, there's singing, Psalm 30 says, sing, to, sing praises to God, all you saints, any saints here this morning? Well, you're included, you get to sing, so, you, so saying I don't sing is a bit weird, because you have to tear that verse out of your Bible, no judgment, just saying. <laughs> Singing is part of God, what God's people get to do, it's beautiful. Um, Shouting, controversial. Uh, Psalm 47, verse uh, 1b says, Shout to God. In the Bible, again, if you don't, if you, you know, just be very careful what you're tearing out of your Bible. I suggest none, no tearing out. This is just, I'm just giving you a few vocab which is included in the scriptures. Um, Clapping your hands, Psalm 47 says, Clap your hands, all you people. That's allowed. Now, some people are very excited by what I said. Other people are very nervous about what I said and where I might be going. But these are all biblical language. Um, 
We're going, to get, we're, going to, we're going to go deeper. It says, Psalm 95 says, let us worship God, let us bow down and kneel. That's included. We're, you know, it's an expression of worship, uh, honoring God. We're allowed to do that. You're raising your hands. Lift up your hands, Psalm 134 says, in the holy place and bless God. Here's a big one, dancing. <laughs> Psalm 149 verse 3 says, let them praise his name with dancing. That's included. <laughs> and so, in fact, Paul then in Romans 12, goes one step further, and he just says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercy of God, because of who God is, because of your great picture of God, because of seeing God, by the mercy of God, to present your whole bodies. <laughs> so he just, vocal cords, hands, dancing, everything is just now included. Give your, give your whole bodies and, uh, as a living sacrifice. Now, he's obviously talking more than just singing. He's talking about your whole life, you know, Worship is work, what you do in every day, every moment, not just your physical body. He's even talking about surrendering himself up to death. He says, you know, God, if you take my actual body, that's fine too. What, is, what doesn't belong to God? My, well, my voice does, my hands do, my work does, my everything. Uh, how do I worship God? Well, answer, with everything. <laughs> what belongs to God? Everything. How do I adore him? With everything. And so it includes all of those things. So there's nothing which is off limits in a sense. So if you've come from a, a background where, you know, maybe there wasn't clapping or dancing, be okay. That's okay. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm suggesting you should put it on your list of vocabulary that one day I'll get there and copy others. But yeah, absolutely. We, we, we get to do that and, and participate because all of our whole bodies included. He goes on, uh, you know, I'll give you a few more before we, we move on from this. Trumpets, Psalm 47 verse 5. Praise the Lord with trumpets. I don't know where Paul is this morning. We appreciate his saxophone. Cymbals, drums, exalting God in, in all sorts of ways. And so it's all just included in the scriptures. And we gather together to exalt him, and it's an opportunity to do that. Exalting God is, also includes the way we love others when we gather together. Corporate worship is not uh, self-centered. It's, it's God-centered. And then secondly, it's an opportunity to love and serve others with brotherly affection, looking after the needy, putting others before ourselves, encouraging, comforting, and even rebuking each other as we need to. All these are biblical expressions of worship, and don't shy away from them just because of your personality. I want to land it with a text from Revelation which describes all of this beautiful thing that's happening together when we gather together, the worship of God, the exaltation of God. Revelation 19 describes like this. John says, after this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice, here it is, of a great multitude crying out, hallelujah, exalted be God. Salvation and glory and power belong to him. For his judgments are true and just. He has judged the great prostitute of the earth, which she corrupted with her, the whole earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his servants. God's justice even is described in worship. And once more, they all cried out, Hallelujah, God is awesome. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And that's a reference even to the destruction of evil, the implementation of justice. God is perfectly just. Whatever injustice you've ever been through, you can rejoice in the fact that God's justice will ultimately put all things right. Is that an aspect of God you believe in and adore? His justice. They cried out, Hallelujah. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Hallelujah, 
And from the throne there came a loud voice saying, Praise God, all you servants of his, you who fear him, small and great. And then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, or exalted, holy, hallelujah, exalted be our God, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. What a beautiful picture of the worshipping church. I hope this morning you've been encouraged with the spiritual practice of worship. It's something that we get to engage with and we can do. It's something which reshapes our hearts from the worship that is already taking place there, the worship of our own things, to centering it around God. This practice, as we do it, I want to encourage you, as we do it corporately, is a great opportunity, but obviously through every day of life, we want to reshape our hearts to be worshiping God, to be beholding God. Do you behold Him? Are you a worshiper or a watcher? Are you a participator or a spectator in worship, in this spiritual grace of worship? It really does shape our hearts. There's one last exercise, but I, th I think we'll do that. We'll, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. This last exercise, just ask a little, few little questions around corporate worship. So I, I mentioned some things which may be foreign to you, but this just asks you about your expression in this gathering. When you come together, why do, you, why do we get together? How do we love each other? How do we adore God? How do we worship? How do we prefer others? How do we make it about God and not ourselves? Take a few moments, take about four or five minutes and just go through those last four questions together and we'll close from there. Great, thanks. So, so good to hear all your voices. Sorry to cut you a little short. Um, so good to hear you chatting and, and uh, talking about these things out there. It's, Sounds beautiful. Love to just love just hearing and seeing it. Just going to land with a, with a scripture, and then uh, Steve's going to take us through communion. Um, there's a scripture we started with, is that one Peter says, in order that in everything, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. All of this is only possible through Jesus and with Jesus. We're not for Jesus. We could not do this. We are totally and completely reliant on Him. And so I hope this morning has been encouraging to you. I don't want to cause you stress. I need to go and worship more. <laughs> I want to encourage I want to put out beauty before you that, wow, Jesus really is so amazing. I, des I desire to adore Him more. I desire to have spiritual practices which help me adore Him. Not I desire to create more routine in my diary that I'll, I get to whip myself if I don't achieve it. If you're doing that, stop. Just find, find the space and way of adoring Jesus. It's through Jesus that we, our worship, that our desires change. If your desires, if you notice some things when, in that first exercise, where, wow, I really do just speak about this all the time, my hurts or my, my desire for money or whatever it is. Don't relax, it's not going to go away right now. Maybe the miracle, we can pray for you and a miracle happens right now and that your desires change, that, that can happen. But 
just begin to, to put spiritual practice in place. Like, I'm going to shift my desires by just keep on trying to look at Jesus. Keep on desiring Jesus. Keep on worshipping him. So I want to encourage you, don't, don't beat yourself up this morning, but find grace and be encouraged by this fact that the more you look at Jesus, the more your desires will change. The more you worship him, it is through Jesus that everything can bring glory to God. Hebrews 13, it says, Through him, through Jesus, let us offer continually a sacrifice of praise to God. It's only through Jesus that you can do it. If you're not beholding Jesus, you can't do this. You cannot continually worship God unless you see Jesus. And so through Jesus, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, the things that come out. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but what comes out, the fruit of our lips, what we express is coming out from our heart. How are we able to worship? It is through Jesus. That's our first spiritual practice for summer camp. Worship, worship, worship. Thanks, Steve. I'm going to take us through communion.